O writer of fortunes, graciously write on my heart, love for the master. This is the Bhajan Likanavalya to Hoke on page 29. In my hands write the service of the Guru, write the sacrifice of my body and mind for the Guru. On my tongue write the name of the Guru, from my ears write the voice of the sound current. On my forehead write the light of the Guru, from my eyes write the darshan of my Guru. Don't write one thing, <coughs> separation from the Guru. It doesn't matter if separation from the whole world is written. O oh, writer of fortunes, graciously write on my heart, love for the Master. Bhajan of Sanji, actually written as in his childhood before he met Master Kripal, as he often explained later. Mere hira devi che gurada piara lika de lika navale atu hoke deala lika de mere hira devi che gurada Hatavichalika de Seva Guru Jidi Hatavichalika de Seva Guru Jidi Meretanamana Guru Ute Avadalika de Mere hira devi che gurada piara lika de lika navale atu hoke te alalika de mere hira devi che gurada Jibate lika de Nama Guru Jida Jibate lika de Nama Guru Jida Mere Kana Vicha Dunadi Avasalika de Mere hira devi che gurada Piyara lika de Lika navalaya tu hoke Deala lika de Mere hira devi che gurada 
Mata Telika De Jota Guru Jidi Mata Telika De Vicha Guru Da Didaralika De Mere hira devi che gurada piyadalika de Likanavale atu hoke te alalika de Satguru Davichora Ikanaliki Mere Satguru Davichora Bave Chuta Jaye Sara Sansaralika Day Mere Hida Devi Chagurada Piyadalika De Likanavale Atu Hoke De Alalika De Mere Hida Devi Chagurada O writer of fortunes, graciously write on my heart love for the Master. Our next bhajan is on page 177. Guru Bina Without the Guru, who can finish the pains of this world? The river of the world is deep and the current is swift. All the souls are swept away in it. Holding the souls by their arms, Master graciously brings them to the other bank. The thieves of lust, anger, egoism, and greed come together to plunder and devour. After putting the sword of knowledge in the disciple's hand, he hits them and makes them run. One has to go far, the night is dark, and the way is not visible. After putting them on the straight path, he takes them home, so they are happy. Brahmanan says, one who pleases the master after sacrificing the body, mind, and wealth, swims across the deep ocean of this world easily. Without the Guru, who can finish the pains of this world? Bhajan of Brahmanand on page 177. 
Without the Guru, who can finish the pains of this world? And the date of the next world religions class is not certain at this point. Um, be sometime in April, and uh, please check for further information. Sorry about that, but that's the way of it. All right, today I want to read a couple of things, uh, one from Sanchi and one from Master Kripal, which are very basic, very basic points about the path, the straight path that we are on, even though the night sometimes seems to be dark and the way long. Nonetheless, we are not alone. This is from the book In the Palace of Love, and it's chapter 7, The Creeping of the Ego. Whenever the saints and mahatmas, the beloveds of God, have come into this world, they have told us about the value of the human body. They have explained to us why God Almighty has given us this human birth, as a result of which good karmas of our past we have been blessed with this gift of the human body. And they have told us how, while sitting within this human body, we have to surrender ourselves to God Almighty and do his devotion. They have also given us information about those elements which are residing within us and misleading us. And they have also told us about those good elements within us which inspire us to do the devotion of God. But they did not only give us that information. They also taught us the way to enter this human body. Furthermore, they not only gave us the information we needed, and they not only taught us how to go into the human body, but they also gave us a promise. If you withdraw your attention from outside and come within to the eye center, we will be there to help you. So whenever saints and mahatmas have come into this world, after telling us the value of this human body, they have inspired us and taught us to go within. And they have very clearly shown us how the bad elements within are misleading us and how the good elements are inspiring us and taking us to the home of the Lord. Mahatma Ravidasji says, These five passions have spoiled my mind. Moment after moment, they have broadened the gap between me and Almighty God. Further, Ravidasji says, these five dacoits or passions have no peace and they create a fire within us that goes on increasing no matter how much you give it. Whatever we feed these dacoits, they just want more. Ravidasji Maharaj also says, 
What to speak of human beings saving themselves from these passions? They have not spared even the animals. Fish, moth, deer, all are ruled by one passion only, and still they are not protected. What hope is there for the human being who has all five in him? And of course, the five dacoits or passions, the five bandits that are within us are lust, anger, greed, attachment, and egoism. So Sanchi says, the mother of these five dacoits, the intellect, says, your coming into this world will be successful only if you are glorified in this world. If you collect name and fame and praise, and if you are called by the title of religious or community leader. So all these five brothers enter within us, and the leader of the five is the ego. First, the ego creeps within us, and then he opens the door for the other brothers and tells them, you can also come in. In the beginning, they are good. In the beginning, ego tells us, you have the same right to live on this earth as others. You are independent. Your children should also be independent. You should have everything which the other people in this world have. So as he gradually goes on telling such things to the person, and the person starts seeing that scholars and other people get name and fame and praise and all the things of the world, he feels that he should also get all those things, and egoism is created within him. So when he is breeding this egoism, it is just like maintaining a ghost within him. Because once egoism is created, then the jiva is thrown into the frightening forest of this world. Guru Nanak Dev Ji Maharaj says, the yogis perform yoga, and still they have ego. They are proud of performing yoga, and they say that they are the best people. In the same way, the sannyasis are proud of being renunciates. They say that they have left everything, and that is why there is nobody like them. And the pundits are proud of their scholarship. They say, I have read all these Puranas and other holy scriptures, and there's no one like me. Guru Nanak says, ego kills. Egoism throws out whatever good qualities we may have. In the beginning, the ego becomes the cause of little disputes and clashes among family or friends but it goes on increasing and becomes the cause of fights between countries, and then wars happen. Tulsi Saab says it is very easy to give up the desire for gold and silver, and it may be easy to give up the attachment of sex. Some brave ones can do that, but it is very difficult to give up egoism and the desire for name and fame. Kabir Saab says... The rishis and munis gave up egoism and maya from outside. They left their homes and went in the wilderness to do the devotion of the Lord. But they did not give up their attachment to the maya within. Whatever we have outside is within us also. Whatever we have in the outer world exists in the inner worlds also. 
the planes through which we have to pass. So Kabir Sahib says, everyone gives up the gross or outer maya, but no one gives up the subtle or inner maya. He who gives up the subtle maya is called sadhu. Guru Nanak Dev Ji Maharaj lovingly says, the reason for your getting involved in the cycle of births and deaths, in your suffering in the fire of the womb of the mother, is the ego. You're being proud of all this. In Asaji Divar, Guru Nanak says, the jiva comes in egoism, he goes in egoism, he gives in egoism, he receives in egoism. In egoism, he is called clever. In egoism, he does everything. Guru Arjan Dev has defined egoism as a chronic terminal disease like tuberculosis. He says the disease of egoism is the share of human beings. As the disease of lust is the share of elephants, the disease of attachment to the pleasure of smell is the share of the honeybees, and the disease of attachment to taste is the share of the fish. And no one can save us from this passion and pleasure. Neither our mother nor our father, nor any kingdom or power or ruler can help us or save us from this disease. Guru Nanak says, all these five diseases are incurable. If there is anyone who can protect us from these diseases, if there is any doctor who has a remedy for them, that is our master. And only in the company of the sad and the master can we be protected from and cured of all these diseases. Who can be more foolish than a person whose friend is a doctor and who knows very well that by eating poison he will die and who still eats poison? Even his doctor friend may not be able to save him once he has eaten the poison. In the same way, if after receiving Nam initiation, going to the satsang and doing meditation, we are still affected by one of these five diseases, then what will people say? The people who know that we have a perfect master and are doing meditation, but still we are affected by one or another of these five diseases? What will people say about our master? What will they think about us? The master who has given you initiation will definitely be given a bad name because of your deeds. Many of our dear brothers and sisters who come to see me in the interviews tell me how they have become toys in the hands of the mind and how the mind is tossing them around and playing with them. Some people say, can we be protected from lust if we wear old people's clothes? Will we be saved from it when we become older? Just imagine what will be their condition. King Bateri gave up his kingdom when he came to realize that he should do the devotion of the Lord. He has written that as he was leaving, he saw a dying dog who was very old, who had many wounds and worms in his head, but still he was involved in lust with a bitch, and she was also dying. So King Bateri rebuked his mind and said, 
O mind, see what you have done to this dog. When you are chasing someone, even if you send one person from your force, one of your elements to anyone, what condition you can reduce that person to, what you can make of that jiva. Look at this dog, what his condition has become. He is dying, but still he is involved in lust. Supreme Father Kripal used to say, if a pigeon closes his eyes when he sees a cat and thinks that the cat cannot see him, after a moment he finds himself in the mouth of the cat. If he had flown away before the cat could catch him, he would have been saved. Our condition is the same. We should not close our eyes on the face of all these passions. We should be wide awake. We should be alert, and we should do the meditation of Shabad Nam. We should fly with the wings of the Shabad Nam before they can attack us, before we fall into their trap. Our body is a true temple, and in this temple there is a well which is full of nectar. These five brothers have entered our body, and they are drinking the nectar from that well. Our body has nine doors. When we leave even one door open for them, gradually they enter one by one, and finally all of them enter our body. In ego one comes, in ego one goes, in ego one is born, in ego one dies, in ego one gives, in ego one takes, in ego one earns, in ego one loses. Guru Nanak Dev Ji Maharaj says, the jiva comes in egoism, goes in egoism, takes birth in egoism, and dies in egoism. And if the jiva gives any donation to anyone, then he is proud of that. And if he receives anything from someone, even then he is full of ego. He says, I went there, I got this donation for the school or the temple. This is because of my ability that I was able to get things from him. Nowadays, people even advertise in the newspapers after they have donated. They say that they give this much land to the school or they have given so much money to a particular church. I have had the opportunity of visiting many communities and religions, and I have seen that if someone is able to feed a few people, then after giving that donation, he will perform prayers in which he tells Almighty God, I have fed all these people, I have given them these things, I have given them clothes, I have even given them the small vessel. He will list all the things he has done for those people. But Guru Nanak says, without your saying it, he knows everything about you. So why are you praying? Guru Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj has written, Dear one, he knows your thoughts before you have thought them. He even says, God hears the cry of the ant before he hears the cry of the elephant. In ego, one is truthful or a liar. In ego, one thinks about sins and virtues. Only in egoism does the jiva discriminate between sins and virtues. 
Whatever he does, he does in egoism, even up to this extent. Only in egoism does he become clever or smart. Only in egoism does he become false or untrue. And there, I think, we have to realize that the, the sense of ourselves as separate is what produces all this. Sins and virtues, if we are aware of our connection with the rest of the universe and of the presence of God within us and within everyone else, and the omnipresence of God, there's no question of sin or virtue. It's very clear to us what is good, what is virtuous, is that which keeps us pointed in that direction. And what is not good is that which keeps us away from that which is our very essence. And that's very clear. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to decide this is good, this is bad. Because all of those discriminations on that level are come about once we separate ourselves from the rest of the universe. And it's a very important point on the path because on one level we are to be very discriminative. We are to keep our diary, keep a record of our failures and uh, be very alert to them. On the other hand, we have to recognize that this is all still a means to an end, that it is within the uh, duality of maya, within the limits of maya, which is what maya means, by the way, is, is limitless, limits, limitations, and that when we really connect with that which is the pool of nectar, the well of nectar within us, then these things will not be necessary to discriminate. We will be very aware without thinking of which is which. In ego are the incarnations of hells and heavens. In ego one laughs, in ego one weeps. He says, only in egoism one goes to hell or heaven. And in the ego, one goes to many places and takes birth. Again, it is our sense of separateness that makes us desire those things which lead us either to hell or heaven or to rebirth, depending on what our karma is. We had a camel who used to balk and to bite the person who took care of him. Even when he had to pull a very heavy plow, Still, he would walk for two steps in a straight line, and then he would go here and there and try to hurt his caretaker. We tried so many things, but still he wouldn't change. We even had him churn a juicer, which was very heavy, but still he would do that in a good way for a couple of minutes, and then he would again rebel and try to bite his caretaker. So I looked at him, and I felt very sorry for him. I thought, now you have become dumb and you cannot speak, you have become a camel, but still you cannot give up your egoism, and because of your ego you are doing all this. In ego we sin, in ego we wash it off, in ego we lose the distinctions of caste and kind. He says the jiva does everything in egoism. If he gives up his religion or caste and adopts some other, even there, egoism doesn't leave him. If he goes to places of pilgrimage and washes away his dirt, 
still he is proud of having gone to the places of pilgrimage. The foolish and the wise are both within ego. They do not know the importance of liberation. Sane or insane, we are still within the ego. And by following the ego, we do not adopt the practice which leads to our liberation. In ego is maya. In ego is the shadow. The creatures are created under the influence of the ego. If one understands the ego, he realizes the door. Without the knowledge, one uselessly quarrels. The ego is not a bad thing. If we realize it, understand it, and come to know why it is kept within us, if we recognize its importance and make use of its true meaning, only then can we realize the door to our real home. Nanak says, Our destiny is written under his orders. See the world as he sees you. Guru Nanak says, God Almighty has written in our fate whether we will understand this or not. In whatever way we see the world, God Almighty also looks at us. There was an old woman who worshipped idols. With all her love and devotion, she would burn incense and perform the ritual. One day a thought came to her. Today I will not eat any food until God accepts some part of it. So she sat there with this determination in her mind. She had some milk in a golden cup and some other food also, and she offered them to the idol and sat there waiting for God to accept some part of it. Now God Almighty thought, look at the determination of this woman. You know that idols cannot speak or eat, so how is that idol going to accept any food? But God Almighty was pleased with her devotion, so he came in the form of a very old crippled man, knocked at her door, and asked her to give him some food. He said, I am in difficulty. I need clothes and food. Why don't you give me something? She replied, I don't have any food. Whatever food I had, I put it in front of this God, and I cannot give you anything unless he accepts part of it. So he went away. Again, God Almighty came in the form of a poor old man, poorer than the other one, and he said, I have pain in my stomach. If you would make me some tea, the pain would go away, and I'll be very grateful to you. She said, I don't have any milk to make tea. I only have the milk which I have placed before God, and unless he accepts part of it, I cannot do anything with it, and I cannot make tea. So he also went away. Now just imagine, if that woman had known that God Almighty resides in every being, in every creature, she would not have refused both those old men, who in fact were God Almighty she would have given them food and tea. But she did not know that God Almighty resides in every being. She did not have that understanding. That is why she did not oblige. 
She did not give food to the living God because she was waiting for the idol to accept it. And I think there's a great many things in that reading. There's more to this chapter, but I I want to read something from Master Kapal also. A great many things in that reading that can stand a great deal of thought and meditation on. But notice, first of all, that although the woman worshiping the idol was not the mistake of the woman, the mistake of the woman was not recognizing the power that she worshipped in the idol when that appeared before her. God was pleased with her devotion. He knew she didn't know any better as far as the idol was concerned, and he didn't hold it against her. And similarly, Sanchi says in the comments on Bhai Gurdas that, you know, once we come to the Master, all of the devotion we have done, whatever it has been in whatever direction, it is all counted. Once that is, it comes to its fulfillment. As Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Even though the law or whatever religious practice we are following may be on the level of our lack of understanding, if we are doing our best, whatever we do, it will take us in the direction we want to go, no matter how mistaken we may be, then we will see how it all fits together, how it all accumulates in the direction of our benefit. I think that is extremely important because we make mistakes all the time. You know, if it's not a question, all mistakes we make and those times that we don't make mistakes are also on the level of ego. You know, the way we think about them. It's like Master Kripal said to me one time when I was in India in 1972. I had gone back there after a year and a half. I'd been there in 1969 and had had a wonderful time, just absolutely wonderful. My whole life was changed by it. I was there six weeks. I came back in 19, in January 72 and I was expecting the same kind of trip and I got there and I, it was like everything fell apart and I realized that this is how it seemed to me I realized that I had um, failed very badly that I had not done I had not lived up to what I had been given the previous trip and that I had been extremely egotistical about uh, coming back and all like that And I said as much to the master. I had an interview and I told him that I felt, and I I said, I really apologize. I'm very sorry that I have not made more progress. And he said, he looked at me very thoughtfully without the slightest trace of either condemnation or praise. He said, you have made some progress. He said, man can't always tell. And really, we can't. We can't always tell. And all these things, comparing ourselves with others, you know, dwelling on either mistakes we have made or good things we have done, supposedly, none of that matters. You know, it's all part of the deal. It's all part of the egoistic, dualistic, illusionistic maya that we have to deal with. 
But notice also that Sanchi says that in the beginning, ego is not bad. And he makes the same point in other places about all of the five decoids. They all have their purpose. Uh, the things that he says, what ego tells us in the beginning, that we have the same rights as everybody else on earth, this isn't bad. You know, it's good for people to be aware that they also count, you know. It's like the Hasidic rabbi who says that everyone should have two pockets. In one pocket is written, I am dust and ashes. And in the other pocket, for my sake, the universe was created. And he should pull them out as he needs them. They're both true. And there's, it is not a bad thing to be aware that we are human beings, that God is present within us in the same way as he is present in everyone else. And to that extent, ego is very good. It's just that what we build from that, you know, we start from there and then we pile up superstructure on superstructure. And the next thing, you know, we want more than other people or we see that somebody else has something that we don't have and we're jealous of that and all that kind of thing. So I want to read, and I want to continue to read over the next few months, various morning talks. This book that Master Kripal didn't exactly write. He talked it. It was a series of 40 talks that he gave in the mornings at Sawan Ashram during the years 1967-68 and became a, a huge thing. The people who were there absolutely loved it. I was not there at this time, but I heard all about them because some very good friends of mine were. And after the talks were completed, they were compiled Stanley Scheinrock, who wrote the foreword to the book and who lived at the ashram at the time, was moved from within to collect them together, edit them, and make them into a book, which was then published. And Master referred to it as a God-given spiritual textbook. So it's quite different from anything else. The tapes, are, the CDs actually are also available, and I believe they're even sitting out on the book table at the present moment. They're not quite like anything else Master said or did, although there are certainly elements of other talks in other places that are very close to them, but they're quite remarkable. So this is morning talk number six, how to develop love for God, which is, of course, that which we care most about. We want to meet somebody who can tell us about the man whom we want to meet. So by hearing his words, our attention is diverted in that direction. Even to think of him about whom we have heard, naturally you would like, when that desire goes, grows strong, to meet him. You would like to be in that country where he resides. When you reach that country, you would like to go to the town where he lives. When you go to that town, you won't stay anywhere, but you will go straight to his house. This is but natural. So for those who have got the human body, this is the golden opportunity in which they can go back to their father. But first of all, they have to know about the Father. In the scriptures, we read about those saints who met the Master, 
who saw the Master in whom the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. He will tell you of his first-hand experiences with God, by hearing which your desire will naturally increase, so much so that you would also like to see him to have the same experience of God as has the Master. So by reading the scriptures about those masters who had first-hand experience of God, our attention is diverted in that direction. By doing certain practices, by reading scriptures, by praying for this and that, what is all this for? So that his sweet remembrance may reside in our hearts. God is love. Our soul is of the same essence as that of God. It is also love. Love knows attachment. We are conscious beings, and our love should be for an all-conscious being. Instead, it has been attached to the physical body and environments and is called attachment. We come again and again to the world where we are attached. The man-body is the golden opportunity that we have got in which we can change our love from the world to God. Kabir says if we have neglected this subject all through life, now we should wake up and divert our attention from the world to God. So for that, what do we have to do? First of all, we read the scriptures in which past masters are speaking about God. We hear about God, learn about God, through past masters speaking through books. This causes a desire to arise. It grows strong, and we feel separation. In his sweet remembrance, naturally the heart becomes full, and that bursts forth in tears through the eyes. So all these outward practices, reading of scriptures, are meant only for what? That the desire to see God, love for God, should develop. What is the criterion of love of God? Whom you love, he is always in your heart. You never forget him. If you want to love God, then what should you do? You should remember him every second of your life. Never forget him. When you love somebody, naturally constant remembrance of that person remains in your heart. You wish to have love for that person. And naturally, if you have constant remembrance of him and keep him in your heart, that will result in love. So this is the man-body in which you see what you are doing and how far you have succeeded. If by hearing about God, by reading scriptures, or by meeting somebody in whose society your sweet remembrance of God develops more, that's good. But best of all, even better than reading of scriptures, just have the society of someone who is overflowing with the love of God. By radiation, you will have it. If you go to somebody who sells perfumes, even if he does not sell you anything, you will still get perfume by radiation. 
if he gives you a file of scent, then the best way to develop the sweet remembrance of God is to have the company of those who are overflowing with the love of God. You have got the man body, and this is the place where you can go back to the Father. You cannot go back until you develop sweet remembrance of God. This, as I have told you, can be developed first by reading scriptures, by performing certain rituals, but first-rate success will be had when, second, you come across somebody who is overflowing with the love and devotion of God. The company of such a person is called satsang. He is the mouthpiece of God. He will be able to open your inner eye to see the light of God. True love arises only when you see him. Until you see him for yourself, you must have the society of somebody who is word-made flesh. That comes first and precedes God. So the best way to develop love is to meet somebody who is overflowing with the love of God. The masters say that you have got the man-body, which is the highest rung in all creation, in which you can turn your love from the world to God. Now we have to see how far we have developed. Have we really got love for God? If so, God will meet you, sure and certain. But if you have got at heart of hearts the love of the world, which is called attachment, then you will come back again and again, that's all. We have to develop love of God. Only the question remains, where are we now attached? If we are attached to the physical body and environments, then we will come back again and again. If that very love is developed for God, naturally, where will we go? We will go to God. We cannot have love for anybody, but we can have sweet remembrance, and that can be developed. We cannot have true love for God unless we see him. To see God, we need somebody who can open our inner eye to see the light of God and the inner ear to hear the voice of God. The man body is the only opportunity in which we can do it, and we have got it fortunately for so many years. We have joined some school of thought and we have been doing something, but how far have we developed? When rain comes, the clouds precede. If there are no clouds, there is no rain. If a fruit-bearing tree has blossoms, there is hope for fruit. If there are no blossoms, then there is no hope for fruit. The blossom and the rain clouds are the foreshadow of the fruits and the rain. Similarly, in feeling separation, crying for God, your heart becomes full. Tears rain down like anything. This is a foreshadow to know that you are nearing God. God is coming to you. The Mohammedan saint was asked whether he first saw God and then said his prayers, or whether God came after his prayers. He said, God comes first, then I pray. He was asked how he knew that God had come. He said, when my heart becomes full, my eyes begin to shed tears. 
I then think that he has come, that he is dragging me from within. Then I pray. So this is the foreshadow of the coming of God. Now just introspect your life and see where you stand. Are you always keeping sweet remembrance of God? Just as if a man has been stabbed and feels pain, so should you feel pain for God. If that is not developed, we are nowhere. We are wasting our human life. Remain in whatever society you are, that makes no difference. We are meant for it. You have joined certain schools of thought only for love of God. If you have got love for God in your heart, all your reading of scriptures, your outward practices have borne fruit. If you have read everything and have learned it by heart and there is not a speck of love in your heart for God, then it is no use. It is better to burn them away. So the main thing is to have love of God. The criterion of love for God is sweet remembrance of God. You never forget him, even while eating, sleeping, coming, or going. If that is developed, then naturally you will go to God. So delve deep down in your hearts and see how you stand. Love is developed by reading of scriptures and outward practices. But the best of all is to meet somebody who is overflowing with the love of God. He gives you this by radiation in his society. I gave you an example of going to somebody who is selling perfumes. If he does not give you anything, you still have the sweet smell of perfume. If he gives you one file of scent, then you can have this even by sitting thousands of miles away, by directing your attention to the master. Kabir says, if your master lives across the ocean and you live this side, just direct your attention to him. From radio and television, you can hear somebody's voice, you can see their face. Similarly, the master is word made flesh and you can see and hear him from thousands of miles away. Do you feel a pain in your heart? Does your heart become full and your eyes shed tears? These are symptoms to show that you have got love for God. Such a man who has got that love within him cannot speak. The tongue of love is mute and dumb. Only tears from the eyes show that he has got that love. So this is the thing that we have to develop in our lives. We have got this man-body for so many years. Most of our life has already gone. In the little time that is left, we should hurry up and develop this love as soon as possible so that we may have that ruling passion in us for God, then naturally we cannot come back to the world. If we are sent, then it is not as a prisoner, but as a doctor. So today's subject is very clear. We must develop love for God. Do everything dedicated to him. Those who are overflowing with the love of God, their sweet remembrance, their society also gives a boost to us in that way. All reading of scriptures, rituals, or outer performances 
bear fruit only when your heart becomes full in the sweet remembrance of God and the eyes begin to shed tears. I think that you can better judge where you stand now. Every day you get something. It should be kept in our hearts and we should see where we stand. If we have got it, well and good. We should thank God. If not, then hurry up. Pray to God that he may develop that love in you for him. Or have such a society which goes to develop your love in that way. And the tape that we are hearing is again continuation of the talk we've been hearing the last few times, Sanchi's farewell talk at Sant Bani Ashram in 1996, called The Pages of Our Heart, in which he used bhajans throughout the talk to punctuate it, to make points, etc., and commented on them while they were, you know, as after they were sung and before they were sung. So in this, he speaks very much in the same vein as Master Kripal was speaking in the morning talk we just read. One time, you know, Kent Bicknell told me back in 1972 that he asked Master in Burlington, Vermont, how can you, how do you remember God? How can we keep remembrance of God? And Master looked at him and said, someone stabs you in the stomach, what will you do? you put a band-aid on it? He said, no. You will be aware of nothing but that pain day and night. He said, that is what is required. And that is the thing. We look, as Sanchi says, we look at the world as God looks at us. How we look at the world is how God looks at us. Similarly, to have that awareness of what we really are is to look at the world the way God looks at us. It's a two-way thing. It works both ways. We present what we are to him, and he takes us, he courteously takes us at face value, and he will treat us as we expect to be treated in that way, one way or another. But in fact, if we turn our attention around look from the top down instead of bottom up by developing the remembrance that he is talking about, then he will look at us in that way also. So these are very great mysteries, but they are not insoluble. And the fact is that once it is not a thing that we have to keep renewing, even though when Times are such that we can visit the Master on a yearly basis, as many of us did for many years. We begin to take that for granted. It's not like that necessarily. You know, that's one thing. But what the Master gives us, we never lose. We have it. What Master gives is not subject to time. Like Jesus said, moth and rust cannot corrupt it. It is there. It is within us. It is real treasure. And we have it. It is ours. We can grasp it and we can make use of it. And nothing can take it away. One glance of a master can do that for people for the rest of their lives. And there are thousands of stories to that effect. Because the master is the 
source of power and the source of love. All right, let's hear the tape. Bhagat Dhamma had listed all the things which he wanted. He asked for the pulses, he also asked for the clarified butter. In those days they did not have the cars. So he said that I asked for a very good mayor on which I can die. And then he says that I have not been so greedy. I want a wife who would be obedient to me. And finally he says that I also ask for your name. And then he says that if you will give me all these things, I will be very happy to do your devotion. It's a translation now when we do the meditation, sometimes we say that the form of the master comes and sometimes he goes away. But that is not the reality. Please don't use the flash when you are taking the pictures. So when we do the meditation, we say that sometimes the form of the master has come and sometimes it has gone away. But that is not the reality because the form of the master never comes, he never goes, he is steady. He is always there. It is only our mind which comes and goes. So when we go within, when we rise above, our body, go into the barroom, when we go into the inner place, then the disciple talks to the master very clearly and he says that what happened? <clears throat> you come and go through the pages of the heart, of my heart, and tell me that what crime I have done, that you went away from me very quietly. What happened if we did all the mistakes? What happened if we did all the sins? If we had not done all the sins, who would have called you as the merciful one and as the forgiver? So come in my heart and go through the pages of my heart and tell me that why you are going away quietly from me. O Kripal, come and sit with us and go through the pages of our heart. What crime have we done that you go away from us quietly? As long as the breaths flow, we cannot forget you. If you do not believe it, put your hand on our heart and see. I am yours, I was yours, ever since I loved you. Why should I be afraid when I have loved you? I have come to your door with hopes and expectations. It is up to you 
by the becoming the sound of happiness you give us arms or send us away empty handed try us i will come swimming across as sony did but at least once sit with that and go through the pages of our heart okay bob come and sit with us and go through the pages of our heart no आखिर पाल कोल बैठे असांदी वर के
Vajan is on page 27. Satguru Pyari Mary. Oh, beloved Satguru, improve my life. Suffering by karma, I am calling at your door. I have not even a little control over you. Except you in this world, nothing else is mine. I have come to your shelter. Don't reject me. I have got much suffering, no more agony. Cool my heart, which is heated by pain. O oh, beloved Satguru, improve my life. O oh, beloved Satguru, improve my life. Suffering by karma, I am calling at your door. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 27. Satguru Pyameri Jindagi Savarade Karamade Mare Tere Dharamade Mare Tere Dharate Pukarade 
सत गुरु प्या मेरी सत गुरु प्या मेरी जिंदगी सवार दे करमादे मारे तेरे करमादे मारे तेरे दार ते पुकार दे सात गुरु गुरु जी मेरा रात संचराए रात जोरना बाजो दुनिया तेरे बाजो दुनिया थे मेरा कोई हो सात गुरु प्या सात गुरु प्या
Sanchi de la Meratara Dei Sata Guru Pyare Meri Sata Guru Pyare Meri Jindagi Savara Beloved Satguru, improve my life. Suffering by karma, I am calling at your door. May God bless us, each and every one. <laughs>